1: Jake show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for a little What's Going On, where we check in with the other shows on The Zone Sports Network. It's brought to you today by our friends at Davis Vision. Their New Year special is going on now. Save $1,000 off normal pricing now through the end of January. Check them out, davisvisionmd.com. Gordo, you ready for a little What's Going On? Sure. All right, the Jazz are taking on the Dallas Mavericks tonight here at Vivint Arena. Tip-off uh, a little after 7 o'clock, pregame uh, starts at 6. Uh, DJ and PK had Tim Cato on. He follows, or he's a beat writer for the Mavericks for The Athletic, and they uh, talked about what's going on in Dallas.
2: So when you get everybody back, is this team as good, better, worse than last season?
3: I think they're better. Um, you know, I, I think that's kind of a, a natural expectation that a, that a young team with young players who – you know, kind of shored up one of its biggest root weaknesses, and in, in terms of perimeter defense and just defense in general, I think I think the expectations that they should be should be better. Um, you know, obviously it's it's uh, it's been hard to tell, and and, and and again, like you know, we're almost twenty games in the season. Usually by now, I should be able to tell you, and, and so it's weird it's weird that I'm not. But uh, but but yeah, no, I, I think the expectation is, is the average are definitely going to be better, and it's kind of a look at last season. They were a team that that underperformed a lot of their underlying stats, just in terms of you know they they uh, they were very bad in close games and, and beat when they won they won big. So that that's always an indicator that you know there's definitely room for improvement, and I think I am expecting that once uh, once this team kind of fully forms and, and is healthy and and together again.
1: Porzingis is. Uh... Unlucky, Porzingis is fragile, Porzingis is dot dot dot. How how would you describe his uh, inability to stay in the lineup?
3: Yeah, I think I think it's uh I think both words you, you use have some validity. Um, it's funny I'm I'm kind of writing about uh, about this Zach's problem for, for next week. I, I think I think that, that, you know, I think there's some Room for optimism. He is, you know, I think the concern is that he's a he's a seven three player who plays really unlike any previous seven three players we've seen seven three, seven four seven four players in the league. But those are those are stockier dudes, and and this is you know Porzingis much you know he definitely has a body type more like a guard, and that brings more concerns about the way he moves and and kind of the risks he uh, is exposed to. But but I think there's there's room for optimism just in the sense that. You know the the surgery he had over the off season was caused by a contact. You know it was caused by contact. It wasn't non contact. It was it was somebody falling into his leg. It was relatively minor. You know it's a meniscus is a is a well known injury, and uh, you know it, it, honestly the only reason it was even a quote unquote issue is that he kind of delayed the surgery thinking the season would start later, and and so it, he he did end up missing I think the first eight games, but it was almost a kind of a, a you know tell a telephone where he just didn't realize the season would would start as soon as it would and, and i don't think any of us would yeah, did so it was much more obvious that he that he had you know yet another injury factor so you know it's it's certainly it's been unlucky uh to 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 have a contact injury like that um it, it's always going to be a risk for him but I don't think that there have been any massive, glaring red flags um, since he's recovered from that ACL injury. Um, even if you look, even if you do have some concerns about the overall body of work of him, you know, often often coming down with injuries in, in several seasons, even even before the ACL happened.
2: Don's is 21 years of age and is so phenomenal.
3: Where can this gu- this kid go in terms of not already being there? I mean, best ever or something like that. I mean, I'm not sure I'd predict that per se. I'm not, I'm not guaranteeing it by any means, but to to look at, to look at what he's doing right now, that the the heights he's reaching already and to say it's not possible. I think, I think you're fooling yourself, you know, like these, every, you know, even last season, he was, he was doing things statistically that nobody except LeBron has, has ever done at, at the age that he is. So it's it's really staggering how how good he is how how, old he, how all the all already looks, uh, both in his play and the way that he, he gets annoyed sometimes with uh with refs and teammates not finishing stops and then just you know honestly even himself uh missing shots he can get a he can get a kind of a, just a, uh, exhausted with you know sometimes he just looks so old on the court uh, just just with the stress that he, he, he kind of puts on himself but but yeah no he's he's by far you know he's, he's got to be a, a top five player in the league right now and and I think he's destined to be the best player to, to win MVPs probably not this season with with the way that things have broke so far but I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out and, and certainly in the coming years. Uh, I think it's it's very, very likely that that, that he will win at least one. And, and, and then we're going to talk about how many he's going to win over the course of his career.
1: That was Tim Cato. He covers the Mavericks for The Athletic. And uh, they talked a little bit about their, Gordon, uh, of course, high hopes for Dallas coming into this season. Uh, they're only 8-9 and nine so far. They're in 10th in the West. But as you heard them talk about, uh, they haven't really had a complete team very often. And tonight, Austin and I were talking about this before the show, they should be as close to completely healthy as they've been all year. So,
4: what? What? Uh, I understand the injury situation, but what? How good do you think that team can be? I mean, because they were highly thought of, and Doncic gets all this love from everybody and has been has gotten it almost from the beginning. Uh, it makes you wonder what the reality is.
1: I would worry about them defensively if I were a Mavericks fan, because I don't know. I mean, right now they're currently 18th in the league in defensive rating. Um, you know, that's always the concern with, with Porzingis because he's not really a big physical player, and you wonder if he's laterally quick enough to guard some wings. So there's kind of a, he's kind of a tweener in that way. Um, so that, I, I wonder how much better they can get defensively. But, but listen, Luka Doncic, he's got the skill and the size to get wherever he wants to go on the floor. And yeah. and he's he's truly a unique player. Maybe unique's not the right word because there is kind of bits and pieces from other pe- other teams around the league. But um, you know he's he is a gifted basketball player.
4: And when you say that gifted, that that's a great way of saying it because he can do so many, so many things so well.
1: See, he's everything that Shaq was not.
4: Yeah, I was just thinking that
1: <laughs> that Shaq had zero <laughs> skill. He just ran over people and dunked it, whereas Luca, I mean, he's got skill coming out of his ears. And you combine that with the fact that he's way more athletic than people gave him credit, and he's big and long and can guard a bunch of different positions. I mean, he's just, he's just really what you think of when you think of a modern basketball player.
4: Yeah, and really young still.
1: Yep. So the sky's the limit. Plus, Rick Carlisle is, is a terrific coach. I mean, I think he's with a, a good organization. So I mean, if they do the right things around them, Dallas Dallas is going to be really good for a lot of years.
4: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that. But they do need to put it together, and it's kind of like one of those things where oftentimes uh, a team will be highly thought of, but the, the reality is different than what the projection is, and that's what I wonder about with that team. Are they? Because there were people who were going who were saying that they were going to be one of the top teams in the West this year. And uh, we haven't seen that yet, and I wonder if we will.
1: One more note on the Mavs before we move on to a clip from Hanson Scotty. Your guy's back in town. Gordon, how excited are you to watch Trey Burke get out there and cook tonight? I
4: guess. Oh, man. Okay, I bring Ooh, up, uh,
1: I, I, he, he <laughs> plays a role for Dallas, and he plays about 22 and a half minutes a game. He's averaging 11.2 points. But uh, when you look across, this, uh, across his stat line, uh, one thing jumps out for a guy who, who handles the ball as much as he does. Uh, do you want to take a stab at his assist number, Gordon?
4: Uh, no idea. What is it?
1: 1.8.
4: Well, that's not very good. Not very good.
1: And now I just want to look up, just for fun, his total assists.
4: What's his shooting percentage?
1: Uh, His shooting percentage isn't uh, all that bad, actually. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll get to that here in a second. But uh, let's see, Gordon, in 362 minutes played, Trey Burke has 28 assists.
4: Yeah, that's substandard, I'd say.
1: (laughs) That's not terrific. Here, I'll Hmm. give you some of his shooting here. Let's see. His effective field goal percentage is 552 He's 48.6 from two. Ooh, he's shooting the ball really well from three this year, 41.1%. Overall field goal percentage, 44.8, which is actually really good.
4: I wonder if he still has any bitterness in his heart over the Jazz.
1: I, I'm sure he doesn't have great feelings. I uh, I was laughing with Austin um, during the break when we brought up Trey Burke because when he went to Washington, do you remember this? He he gave an interview and was asked about the Jazz and it sounded like he was going to do this mea culpa, like kind of what that we've heard other players do. You know, like Darren yeah. when when looking back at Jerry and he's like, yeah, no, if I had to go back and do those Jazz years over again, and you think it's going to be, you know, some, some something like constructive? And his point was, you know, I would have listened to the coaches a lot less. <laughs> that's what he said he's like I, I, you know, I think I just listened to the coaches too much I was like wait what
4: <laughs> and the coaches didn't think you were very good
1: so there was a little disconnect there apparently with Trey yeah. but hey he, he was pertinent out of the league there for a little while so he's, he's found a home there in Dallas where he's been able to stay and find a role on the team that role just isn't passing
4: are his parents uh, happy with uh, with the way things are going for him? Because remember how uh, they, they used were vocal. To... Yeah, they were yeah. vocal. Mm-hmm.
1: That's all right. They supported their their son. It's okay. <laughs> his dad's his agent. His dad is his agent, or at least was. I don't well, know if can that's you fire your dad. Still the case. Well, thus that's why you don't hire your dad <laughs> in the first place. We've had this discussion before. His dad was his agent, and his mom was his social media content manager. Something like that. Yeah. And and you you go to your parents and you're like, wow, this is going horribly wrong. Uh, There's a
4: trust issue, you know? Maybe he trusted. Maybe he didn't trust other potential people to do that.
1: What if one of your uh, athletically gifted daughters, Gordon, were to have uh, gone pro and hired you as an agent? (laughs) And you just, I mean, made every wrong financial decision uh, uh, in the book? And still
4: took your 6%.
1: Yeah, right. Uh, And uh, how would you feel if they... If Aaron came to you and was like, you know, Dad,
4: we got to have a combo. Well, you're fired. Here's my. (laughs) uh, The thing about that is that uh, I I was smart enough to have other people coach my kids, and not to coach them myself, and that was a real blessing to do it that way. Uh, I was the parent, others were the coach, and I let that be i was really glad I did it that way. So,
1: there's probably some wisdom there. There's, yeah, know your
4: place. Yeah.
1: Imagine uh Aaron uh you going to Aaron and being like, "Hey, I got us a a great deal uh with Nike. No, it's a little unique, all right? It's it's a little uh, it's it's a little out there, but but bear with me now. They're going to compensate us not with cash, but trade. But the good news is it's it's JCW's gift cards, and I love their milkshakes. Uh-huh. Oh, that's funny <laughs> best burgers in town man fries the sauce the whole thing and you know what? salads we're Come never on. never gonna be wanting again now you do have to you know do fifteen trade shows a year but we're gonna be well fed it's gonna be great
4: I think one of the saddest things is when you hear about disputes between uh professional kids and their parents uh, where it it becomes known that the parent was uh, not necessarily looking out for the individual kid's best interests. You mean uh, that, like that... Uh,
1: like Bernie Kosar's dad, who stole every penny Bernie ever made?
4: <laughs> Is that what he did? I <laughs> yeah, forgot that.
1: yeah, that was bad. That's a that's a really that's a really sad story, actually.
4: Yeah, I mean, you hear about that happening every once in a while, and that it, it, if you can't trust your parents, then uh, well, I don't know. That's a, a, a sorry situation to find yourself in.
1: All right, let's move on to Hans and Scotty G. Uh, talk- they talked about if you or if they could follow the Tom Brady diet.
2: If I told you that you could have six Super Bowl rings and you could have Tom Brady's success, but you had to follow this regimen, and I'm going to go through it really quick. you tell me if you'd take it. So you could have Tom Brady's rings and Tom Brady's money and his kind of his fame, his Hall of Fame. Recognition and best quarterback to ever play the game recognition. But this is what you have to do. You tell me if you take it. This is, uh, this is from his chef, his personal chef. With Tom, there is no white sugar. There is no white flour. No MSG. I will only use raw olive oil. I never cook with olive oil. I only cook with coconut oil. Fats like canola oil turn into trans fats. I only use Himalayan pink salt as sodium, never iodized or regular salt. Tom will not eat nightshades because they're not anti-inflammatory. So zero tomatoes, no peppers, no mushrooms or eggplants. Tomatoes trickle in every now and then, but just maybe once a month. I'm very cautious about tomatoes. They cause inflammation. So what else? No coffee, zero caffeine. Zero fungus, absolutely no dairy. (laughs) He said,
5: What's he eating?
2: (laughs) Okay, so it says uh, um, here's the basic outline of Tom Brady's rules for food. Okay, Scotty? All right. 80% vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, and legumes. 80%. Vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, and legumes. He will only eat a banana now and then as a fruit, but very, very few fruits. 20% protein. So we could get on board with that. 20% protein, but the the highest portion is chicken, second highest is seafood, and then there's a little red meat in that 20%. But here's another kicker. Tom Brady can only eat until he's 75% full. So, you know, those trips to the the paradise with us or oh. to <laughs> Yeah. The, those uh those occasional sushi summits. Yeah. We would have to stop at 75%, which I I don't even know what that would be for me.
5: Um I've never been able to like I'm about 37%. I can work in another plate.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it says have your body weight in pounds and drink that many ounces of water, 70 ounces a day for Tom Brady. So you've got to have your body, half your body weight in pounds and drink that many ounces of water every day. Um, let's see, no caffeine, no food within three hours of going to bed. Which absolutely sucks because, like tonight's jazz game, oh man, yeah. tonight's jazz game uh, when they're playing the Mavericks, I'm just gonna have a huge plate of nachos in front of me, and <laughs> that'll end, and I'll probably slip right into bed. So yeah. that's how that's gonna go. <laughs> that's his. That's it, man. That that's that's his food. That's his regimen. Wow. And and there are no hiccups. Like he doesn't get a day to just go out and there's no cheat s- day. Smash pizza into his face. Ooh,
5: could you? all right so the money the six rings uh everything else that comes along with it would you would you do that
2: and for 20 what is it 20 years now yeah. 20 years he's been doing this
5: well i don't know if I, I i don't think he was i i think this is probably the last what 10 to 12 years yeah
2: yeah probably yeah as he's getting older By the way, I I was listening to a conversation with a quarterback named Jesse Palmer. Do you remember Jesse Palmer? Oh, yeah.
5: He was the bachelor once, too.
2: So, you know, Jesse Palmer moved into our old neck of the woods. He lives up in Idaho now.
5: Jesse Palmer?
2: Yes. Yeah, lives up in Idaho now. And I heard him talking about trying to keep up with his kids, and he said, he said, I don't know. He's like, it's just getting harder now. Like, you know, I'm 41, and it's just getting harder to keep up with my kids and and keep up with life. And I thought, whoa, whoa, wait. Jesse Palmer played in the league for, what, like eight or nine years? Yeah. And Jesse Palmer's been retired for a lot of years, and he's only 41. Tom Brady's two and a half years older than Jesse Palmer.
5: I mean and he's talking about trying to keep up with his kids with his kids <laughs> whereas Tom Brady's playing in a super Bowl
2: playing in a freaking super Bowl in a week and a half it's just mind boggling um no i I don't th- yeah let's be honest i would i would i I would switch it but i don't uh, know if I, I could too.
4: though
2: all right there you go
1: a breakdown of Tom Brady's diet like only those two could give
4: well i okay that's a lot of work, isn't that and you've got to have somebody who tracks all that stuff, right? So I think your average individual could not do that. He did. I mean, it's all put together by a six
1: star, $800,000 a year personal chef that lives with him. Right, right. So I, I'm more of the uh, Babe Ruth approach. Yeah. Eat whatever you want, beer, do whatever you want, yeah. and be one of the greatest to ever do it. And if you're not, you're not. But at least you're not wasting your life. Uh, chasing the the uh, the idolatry of the Lombardi Trophy. I'm with you. Not worth it. Not at all. Sorry, kids. Can't have any of your birthday cake this year. I mean, Gordon, would uh, would you do it if uh, you know? Uh, let me let me put it this way. Let's see. You could have Tom Brady's life, but Austin gets to kick you in the groin every hour every day. <laughs> are wow. you are you doing it? And no cheese. And no cheese.
4: Yeah, that would be a hard way to live, I think. It works for him, but I think uh, most people would just say, hey, man, it, it ain't worth that. Uh.
1: A little alarm goes off. <sighs> it's crotch kicking time again. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon likes his haggis way too much to go on the on the,
4: on the TV 12 diet. His blood sausage. Oh, boy, blood sausage. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Casey Gordon at least you whip, whip it up the, the haggis I like so much for, for no tonight. more borscht
4: <laughs> <laughs> never had no, that's
1: borscht a, that, that oh, is a, what, what exactly isn't it like a like a soup it's cold beet soup okay yeah
4: mm.
1: it's cold you have to eat it cold it's gross isn't everything in Russia cold probably Nothing. For Gordon. Never had just, Borscht. You don't have a Borscht story to one up us? No, there, Gordo? I don't.
4: Wow. I have
1: none. We, mm-hmm. Call the papers. We have reached the topic that Gordon has uh, nothing to add. That's a good story. I don't think I can top that. Borscht. We got to write this down. It's a historical moment. It is a historic moment. Wow. I got nothing. How about that? Hot a All right. We'll have more coming up next. Stay tuned. <laughs> it is the big show. David Locke joins us next 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: Utah's highest-rated, most-listened-to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally-owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network.
1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, and 1280 The Zone. Going to talk to Locke. Coming up here momentarily. Stevie, Stevie was a good choice today, Gordon. I can't believe you're not digging it.
4: I didn't say I didn't like it. Got a nice float, you
1: know, good for the vibe of the day on a Wednesday. Uh, Okay. David's interview each and every week brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Team. Uh, We love the good folks at uh, Murdoch, and uh, we love David. We'll talk to him in a minute. Uh, Gordon, did you see this? Uh, We... Well, I, I tell you all the time we love the soap opera of sport. And uh, as much as you uh, like to say it's all about the, uh, the competition, I like some of the other stuff. And uh, did you see uh, what uh, Mitchell Robinson tweeted out after last night's game?
4: I did not see it. What did he say?
1: He said, one day they'll let me play 100 to the 100. Is that what that means? And uh, deleted it shortly. Shortly thereafter, uh, if you look at what Mitchell Robinson did last night, three of four, seven points, seven rebounds, two block shots in 31 minutes.
4: Hmm.
1: What do you think he was getting at there, Gordo?
4: I'm not exactly sure. What do you think?
1: Um, well, I he's he's going Rudy Gobert on it. He, he wants the ball. Give him the rock. That's what I'm thinking. Just thinking, I'm going three of four out there, making it happen. You're having me grab rebounds. I don't know. Well, I mean he's one of four at the line. I think he's a nice player and he's he's certainly big. I mean, he commanded Rudy's attention, but you know, you're Mitchell Robinson. I don't know if you should be sending out those kind of things as of uh, you know, yet, I guess.
4: I've never heard that saying. What does he mean by that? What is what is the whole deal between letting me play to the 100? What what does that mean?
1: I think turn him loose. Don't you think that that's what it yeah, is? Yeah,
4: but I've never heard that saying before, have you.
1: I don't, I don't know. There's lots of lingo on Twitter that I'm completely <laughs> unfamiliar with.
4: <laughs> okay. I just didn't know. One day but,
1: they'll let me play. I think that means they'll you know, make him a big deal, not a role player.
4: Do you think that he may have had that conversation with the coaches and uh and and, and kind of like Rudy I feel I, like I he's ex- of...
1: exhausted all options. Well, I, yeah. I don't know if I believed that about Rudy, but I, I kind of doubt it.
4: Huh. Well, I, I I don't know, but uh, you know, I I wish him well. I mean, he seems like a fairly fairly talented player.
1: He is a good player. He's he's done pretty much the exact same thing since the moment he got into the league, though.
4: Yeah, I I feel bad for players that uh, feel like they can do more than what they're giving the opportunity for. That would be frustrating. And, you know, sometimes they're unrealistic, but sometimes they're right. And, you know, that's a situation where a lot of athletes find themselves in at all levels. When when it's a team sport and you have a coach who's making the decisions, of course, once you get to the NBA level, then there's a whole lot of money that's riding on it too. So, I, I, I don't know. I, I just think that's – sometimes I think coaches are wrong about certain players. I mean, what's the, who's the kid who went to, uh, God, I'm spacing on his name right now, went from Denver to Detroit? Oh, Jeremy Grant? Jeremy Grant. I, isn't that a fine example?
1: Well, he certainly has a different role in Detroit, yeah. The, and that's likely why he left Denver. Wanted wanted a little bit more. Thought he needed a, yeah. a better opportunity. Yeah, I hear you. So, but also, Jeremy Grant being the best player on the team isn't really getting Detroit all that Far is a... Yeah, that's true. Even though he's playing great. All right, let's yeah. get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, of course, uh, uh, his appearance every week brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Group. He's the radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He is David Locke. What's happening, David? Oh, Nothing.
0: Nothing's happened. Yeah. Good old snowy day. <laughs> I'm just, uh,
1: I was perusing Variety, as I often do. And yeah, sure. uh, I saw a piece pop up about a, a certain podcasting network. Seems like you haven't had anything going on at all today.
0: <laughs> no, there's been nothing going on. So let's talk about the Jazz, who's won nine straight. Look for number 10 against the Mavericks. Hey, first, though, uh,
1: congratulations. Um, Thanks. People, people can Google and, and look for the news. It's it's big news about the uh, your Locked On podcast network, but congrats. It's, uh, I know how hard you've worked on it over the years, and uh, I'm sure today's a good day for you.
0: It's been incredible. We you know started it five years ago or four and a half years ago, just kind of on a thought, and thought I saw a gap in the marketplace, but also just wanted a new experience. and. You only get to live once so I wanted to start something and my wife was supportive and the kids were supportive and it's turned out all right now i think with the move today we have a chance to change people's lives um of our staff we have a lot of jay catch is a good example like i'm not like we have a lot of young rising stars that are doing locked on podcasts or working we have a crew of people that work kind of more full-time for us and um I think they have a chance in this environment under Tegna to become stars, and I I hope we are able to do that for them.
4: So, David, what do you make of what's going on with the Jazz right now? A lot of people were impressed last night, as opposed to in certain games, the Jazz play well when they hit those shots early and they get on a roll and they just fire forward from there. But last night, very rugged start, and yet they were able to right the ship.
0: So I I thought last night was crazy impressive. There are teams in this league that are just difficult to play, right? You just—they have your number. I mean, sometimes it's the great teams, right? Like we had that thing with the Rockets, where you know we'd get matched up in the Rockets on the playoffs, and you're like, "Well, I we can't beat these guys." Like that's just the cool. the matchup was what it was. Whereas those same years that we played some of the other good teams, you thought you could beat them. Sometimes it's the not as good teams. There's, you know, we've always had a few teams that are like your bugaboo. Well, the Knicks are certainly our bugaboo. They're big, they're fit, they're oversized at every position. Maybe they're not the best shooting or talented. But they're physical; they're oversized at every position. We're probably undersized at every position. Um, you know, they really are fabulous in what the in 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 kind of that they know exactly how they want to play, and they're getting into you. And so they cause us a lot of problems. And we looked just as much in disarray in the first half of that game as we did in the second half last time we played them. And we even looked a little bit that way to open the third quarter, where every time we drove, we were wondering where the help was coming from and what was taking place. And then we figured it out and just kept fighting. So I thought last night of the nine wins might have been the most impressive of the nine. Probably the first one against Milwaukee, but but that one's actually a team that style of play matches up really well to us. They're willing to give you threes. They're willing to let you move the ball. That's what we do well. The Knicks aren't. So we had to try to beat the Knicks playing in a way that wasn't um, entirely how we want to play. And then I thought um, I thought it was really great the way that Rudy stepped up. Uh, defensively they, you know, if you go back and remember the first half, you had RJ Barrett and Alfred Payton just kind of driving into the lane. um, And then just putting, and then Rudy played up higher on the pick and roll in the second half. Those guys just never got by him. And I thought in the, and just absolutely disrupted our our defense in the second half was just uh, insane. Absolutely insane. I mean, the numbers were astronomical. I think we had a defensive rating like 50, you know, you don't have 50 in junior jazz defense ratings in junior jazz games. Um, you know, So it, it was really a pretty awesome performance last night in the sense of just how that's a difficult matchup.
1: David, I know you have your opinions on the plus-minus stat and what you can read into it and what you can't. And I'm curious to your thoughts on what we can read into Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert being 1-2 in the NBA in plus-minus and by quite a ways.
0: So um, my quick take on plus-minus is I think it's often a statement of how good your coaching staff is. Um, of whether or not you're putting players in a position to succeed. Um, I do get nervous when there's like really good star players that have negative plus minuses. That kind of jumps out to me. Um, and, I, and bench players with, who don't play a lot, who have really good plus minuses, don't jump out to me because to me that's actually the sign that the coach, like how will Neto used to always have really good plus minuses? Because Clint Snyder pulled him anytime he was on an oversized card and anytime he was in trouble. And so to me – when you have your star players with this dominating plus minus, it it has some value. And then I I would say that on the next scale of things that are, it would tell me um, is that Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley are playing together every minute, which is what they are doing. Like the Jazz have matched Mike Conley's minutes to Rudy Gobert. Um, It's a really good way to play really well, by the way, is to play with Rudy Gobert all the time. Mike's been brilliant, but Rudy makes people really good. We elaborate on that a little,
4: David? I know you've always spoken highly of Rudy Gobert, but how important is this guy? And we were just talking about him earlier because of the way he played last night and the role he played. Uh, just, you know, dictating things at the defensive end and also contributing the way he did at the other end.
0: So I thought the New Orleans two-game matchup was really revealing. Because New Orleans played, at least what I saw, two totally different defenses in those games but the premise of both of them was the exact same which was to take away Rudy's role. So as much as we all talk about how his offensive game's not great, the entire defense that Stan Van Gundy built in both games was to take away Rudy's role. So the first night it was take the big and when Mike Conley comes off the pick, we're going to have the big come up and pressure the ball, hedge the pick and play with a weak side guy coming in on the Rudy's role so you can't Conley can't throw the pass over the big. And there's a guy who's coming over to cut off Rudy's roll. And so the Jazz ended up taking, what, like 53s that night? Because it leaves a three wide open. But the whole defense was predicated on stopping the guard from getting in the paint and being able to give it to Rudy. The next night, they changed what they were doing. They just decided to stay with Rudy. And they dropped so that... Mike Conley came up to pick, and they let Mike Conley come in the paint. But now Stephen Adams literally just stayed like even to Rudy the whole night, so Rudy couldn't get his lobs. And then if that's the night that I think Donovan had thirty, Mike had twenty, and Jordan had twenty because the guards were open to go to the basket. Okay, Rudy in neither of those nights I think had anything on the box score that was noticeable other than probably missed free throws, and that anybody talked about. And yet both nights the opponent's entire game plan defensively was predicated on stopping the play of Rudy Gobert rolling to the basket because the dunk is for all of our 53s we're taking every night, which is awesome. If we could get 50 dunks, we would, but Quinn revolutionized the NBA for a year and the league caught on to it. And so you can't get Rudy for dunks anymore because the league has changed. So the answer is we're going to get 53s instead, but it all comes back to the same thing, which is the day someone decides to take away our 53s, Rudy's going to get eight dunks.
1: All right, David, I have a two-part question for you, and uh, whichever one you want to go first is is up to you. But uh, will we look at the 2018 NBA draft the same way we look at the 1984 NBA draft, where we'll always remember who was taken in front of Michael Jordan, by whom? Will we always remember who was taken in front of Luka Doncic and by whom? And then the second part, it, it always stuck me strange that the the Suns hired Igor Kakashkov his, uh, his uh, coach in Europe, uh, in what uh, EuroLeague championship, uh, just won a title with him and pass on him. You, I know you were close with Coach Kakashkov. Have you ever
0: talked to him about that, how that went down? I have not, um, but I do know that the owner is a huge University of Arizona alumni.
1: Ah. Enter DeAndre Ayton.
0: That would be my answer. Vlad taking Marvin Bagley over Luka Doncic will mean that Vlade never gets another job.
1: Well, that was supposed to be his expertise, right?
0: I mean, like seriously. I mean, I'm not trying. I don't know whether Vlade should or shouldn't get another job, or if Vlade, frankly, ever wanted that job in the first place. Um, But that move will prevent him from from getting that job.
4: David, I know you like digging into the numbers and looking for trends and whatnot. Uh, Of all the things that you've uncovered during this nine-game win streak for the Jazz, which number stands out to you as being either the most significant, or the most impressive, or the most notable?
0: the the dominating quarters so we've had I, I don't have it in front of me i apologize we've had like i think it's something like 11 of our 17 games in the first quarter we've held the so last night wouldn't have been so it's probably be 10 of 17 we've held the opponents below a point of possession in the quarter we've had something dramatic like in this win streak if there's 36 eligible quarters so let me let me back up and give you what i what i mean by dominating quarter average points per possession is 110. Anytime you're below 100 defensively or over 120, you've now done something that's going to make it really hard for the opponent to overcome. Just mathematically. Do you follow that concept? Mm -hmm. Yep. So we're averaging about two and a half dominating quarters a night right now. So either it might be even up to three. Either we're getting 120 offensive ratings or we're getting below 100 defensive ratings at about a rate in the win streak of, of over half the quarters. Well, actually over like we're doing it twice defensively and twice offensively a night. And, and you can't beat that. That's why we're winning. And it's why we're winning by a lot, right? We've won eight of the nine games by double digits. Or they've won eight of the nine games by double digits. And it's the dominating quarters. Last The second half is ridiculous yesterday. Ridiculous. And that's, you know that's how you can actually, you know, what New Orleans scored forty-one points and they came back and won because they're because they then had two more dominating qu- their next two three quarters were just totally dominating. In the New Orleans game, they had five of the eight quarters they held them below a point of possession. Like the math on that really starts to work when you do that.
1: David, what do you think the Jazz will do to adjust uh, for Donovan Mitchell's absence tonight?
0: Um. Well, I mean, I think you'll see a lot of what you saw last night. The problem is that we're on the back end of a back-to-back without Donovan Mitchell, and Donovan Mitchell wasn't quite right last night. Like, it was clear Donovan wasn't right last night. I know he didn't have concussion symptoms until this morning, but you could see, like, his last two shots were, like, not right. Even his last one that he makes, his knee bend was so exaggerated. Like, you could just tell he, you know, whether he just wasn't in rhythm in any way, shape, or form. So when you... Now the problem is that Mike exerted an awful lot of energy last night. Joe exerted an awful lot of energy last night. But that's the answer. Is we're gonna, you know, I would suspect that uh, I would suspect that Mike and um, Rudy still match each other all night, and I would suspect that Joe um, has somehow got to get matched with Donovan, with Derek tonight, um, and, and let Jordan and Joe kind of conduct that group. Um, you know, this is where if there's Anything on our roster that you know maybe you're lacking a little bit is a is a backup point guard. But frankly, that's where we have Donovan Mitchell and Joe Ingles. And so t- Joe Ingles plays backup point guard tonight. I um, I suspect Joe will start, but I thought there was a chance that Mia One might start so that you could keep keep uh, keep Joe in that position. But um, or keep yeah, so Joe and Jordan played together. But th- then you're suddenly. The rotation doesn't really work unless you plan to play Mia only 30 minutes, so you might as well just start, Joe. But Mia's going to get a lot of time.
1: David, thank you very much. We'll see you over here at the arena sometime soon. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, buddy. It's our friend David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Of course, here, Locke, on the call tonight. Tip-off coming your way a little after 7 o'clock. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. Quinn Snyder coaches' show is usually right around 6.50, so not to be missed.
4: Real quick, uh, Jake, who would you start tonight?
1: Probably Joe, but but I hear him. remember Jerry used to not want to interrupt the rotation, so he would yeah. start the third-string player. You know, that's, I think, where David's coming with me, Aione. Um But I, I would guess we'll see Joe.
4: And then uh, when he goes off the floor, you would see who come in?
1: Oh, no, playing the whole game.
4: So he, he's just, uh, his tongue is dragging on the floor. Play him the whole game,
1: yeah. No, okay. I think uh, I think Mie has earned some extra minutes when there's a, a spot for it in the rotation. He didn't play particularly well in his one minute he played yesterday, but, um, I, you know, he's a guy who's not going to hurt you defensively and seems to have his, uh, you know, knows his place in the offense and where to go. Who's that? Mie-one? Mie-one. Like, Mie Oni. Mie Oni. Like like Plea Tony. Correct. Mie Oni. Oni, mm-hmm. the one and Lock,
4: it's me, A Oni. <laughs> Gal, I've told him this a thousand times. He got the Oni finally fixed. Now it's Mia. No, get it, it's Mia Oni.
1: Hey, as a guy who screws up names for a living, you know, <laughs> I had to practice that one. I got to admit.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh doesn't just trip right off the top.
1: No, but I think he's a fine player, and I think he's more than capable of, of playing a few extra minutes uh, when, when the, the need arises.
4: We're going to find out uh, a little bit more, which is obvious, about the Jazz's depth tonight. And uh, I, I imagine that nobody likes to see any star player get hurt or miss a game for any reason. But I'll bet you there are some guys who are pretty eager to show what they can do to, to fill up the open space.
1: All right. Coming up next, we have a TridayTrading.com market update and a little preview. <clears throat> it wasn't terrific. We'll get to it next. Stay tuned. 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
4: I remember talking to one really rich beep who I ran into in a hotel in Vegas, certainly a lot richer than I am.
1: big show it's time for a market update gordon monson jake scott 97.5 and 1280 the zone.com a try day market update gordon how'd those markets do today
4: well, we have good days and we have bad days. And, uh, Austin, do we have any uh, music that would accompany uh, properly uh, the news that I'm about to uh, divulge? Oh, well, we got those the drops. You want All music right. or drops? Well, let's do the drops. That's right. the best way to go. But the NASDAQ composite index was down 355 points.
5: Golly, duh!
4: The S P was down nearly ninety nine points. Holy smokes,
2: that's terrible.
4: And the Dow Industrials down six hundred and thirty four points.
0: He missed the one footer and tickled the twine. and da 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 da.
1: You know, David just captures the, the vibe so well, doesn't he?
4: Well, he did on this occasion.
1: Rough day on Gosh. the old markets, huh? Unless you're you're uh, sinking money in GameStop, I guess.
4: I guess, man. When the market gets manipulated like that, it, uh, man, it's just kind of crazy, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's pretty wild. This is a, a really unique phenomenon that's going on right now with that. Um, I read an article today about it that said business classes are going to be teaching this for years to come.
4: What does it mean for the average investor? I wonder.
1: Well, it depends on when you got in on GameStop, I guess.
4: Well, that's a fairly that's a fairly uh, tight little group, isn't it? Right it's terrible! Everybody else that's paying paying uh, out the schnoz today.
1: Well, no, I well, I would be curious if one has anything to do with the other. I'm not so sure.
4: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Anyway, so good days and bad days. This is a bad day for most.
1: There you go. That's your TryDayTrading.com market update. Now anyone can be a day trader. Visit TryDayTrading.com. We'll get to more next, coming up straight ahead on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.